Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. We've reached double figures. It does not feel like 10 weeks ago I started this. Um, and after 10 weeks, I finally get to review our second Premier League victory of the year. Um, we played last night. I'm recording just after the Newcastle-Manchester United game while my memory is fresh after watching that performance. Uh, what a game that was, by the way. But onto the onto the serious stuff for us. We we want to look at our game and not Newcastle's too deeply um, because we have a lot to talk about and a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, we got our first win of the season, our first clean sheet of the season. Um, it's not our first win of the season. It's our second win of the season, but it's our first clean sheet of the season. Excuse me. Um, and let's get right into the thick of it. Uh, the good, the bad, and the phenomenal this time so let's start with the good um i think we played a fantastic tactical game um you can see from my twitter uh at together baja the way in which we played narrower than we have ever played before this season um it's not just like a little bit either um but drastically narrow uh murray march ali knockout proper they're, they're all on top of each other in the uh in the in the image that's on my Twitter and you can see that and you've never seen that in any of the others. You'll see at least one of the wide men are always near the touchline, usually Solly, um, but it was a very different outfit that we put together last night. Um, it was interesting to see Solly March in the central attacking midfielder role, um, but we'll get to him a little bit later on. So we knew that Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson and Arnautovic were like a massive triple threat um, and we neutralized them again just like Liverpool. Um, I tweeted about it last night or this morning. I can't remember now. But I do not think there are many Premier League teams as good as us at isolating a front three. Um, playing three up front, like two wingers and a striker, is very much a, uh, a common formation that you run into in this day and age of 2018's Premier League. Well, in, in, right in just football in general, uh, some version of a 4-3-3 is very common. And... We have got a phenomenal way of dealing with it, even against the best sides in the world. Um, yes, we lost away at Liverpool, but it wasn't due to the fact that we allowed them to play the game they wanted to. Uh, it was an individual error that they pounced on. And when you're playing a team like West Ham, who, even though they're in a good vein of form, they really aren't the same team as Liverpool, and we're at home, um, it's important to be able to keep that up, and we did. If you if you look at the front three's heat maps on whoscored.com, uh, their major game time was spent around 35 yards out from goal. Uh, these are strikers and wingers that have been terrorizing defenses for the last couple of weeks, um, and on a really good run of form. And we put them, we made them play their entire game with with their backs to goal almost all the time, or having to run at the defense and part of the midfield from 35, 40 yards out. Um, making them having to come constantly deep to get the ball isolated them from one another. Um, one, at least one of them at all times was having to come deep, and that takes away a front three altogether. Um, you become unbalanced on that front three, and it showed because we were we were able to generally attack counter-attack down the wings despite the, uh, the player average position. Our most dangerous attacks came from a wing counter-attack. Um, so I think it was it was an incredibly well played game from us, um, and we just you know we stopped them from making those key passes in and around the box to score goals. Um, and honestly, only 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 Zabaleta 
had a worse pass accuracy percentage than the front three. So Zabaleta had the worst pass accuracy percentage on the West Ham team last night, and Arnie, Yarmolenko, and Felipe were the next four. Um, I think that just is a testament to the work we do in neutralizing these front three teams, and it's just it's just incredible. Um, we also had an incredibly talented press from Kyle, um, who, in my opinion, was our man of the match last night. He got an assist. He won two fouls. That was more than anybody else. Um, he made three successful tackles, three interceptions, seven clearances, two blocked shots. He outperformed everyone else by a country mile in almost every category um, and did numerous jobs at once. It was it was really impressive to see him being able to provide an attacking edge that Dale Stevens doesn't and that attacking final touch that Proper hasn't shown, as well as being able to do defensive duties and Anchorman's kind of uh, roles that Proper can't do either. Um, he really did it all. He was the perfect central midfielder yesterday. He did Dale's and Proper's and Basuma's job in one man. He was phenomenal. Um, enough cannot be stated about the way he played and how good he was both on and off the ball. And he got himself an assist to to thank for it, right? And honestly, he could have he could have done more. Um, the cross itself was absolutely perfect, um, and. The play building up to it again, it was that press, that high press. We got it on a wing and we counter attacked and we scored. Um, it was really impressive from Kyle last night. And to be blessed with a midfield four of Pisuma, Kyle, Stevens, and Proper at this point um, is incredibly, incredibly reassuring. Um, and I think it's also the fact that we have that depth too. Um, is Kiedo? Looked incredibly bright when coming on um, and really drove at the defense when we were on the back foot big time at that second half. Um, it was really nice to get him on. It was really nice to give him 20 minutes, especially against a team that he scares the shit out of every time he shows up. <laughs> um, and Lockadia should be off the mark with a goal. I know he only came on for 10 minutes-ish, um, but he should have one, one on his tally for the Premier League season, but it was incorrectly ruled out for offside. Um, it's a shame because we probably deserve to win by more than one. And he was in the right place at the right time, which is what strikers need to be. Um, it's a big shame for the Lino to rule it out incorrectly, but it is what it is. We we got our first clean sheet all season, and we also successfully defended nine corners in that. Um, don't think we should take much away from that either. That's a pretty cool thing to be able to walk away with, given our terrible set-piece stats. However, we do need to talk about the bad at some point, so let's do it. Um, the amount of fouls we gave away in dangerous areas is terrifying. I've brought it up in previous pods and I'm doing it again because we continue to make the same mistakes. Um, this has to stop. Five of our 12 fouls were in very dangerous scoring positions. It's a, it's a great thing that we didn't concede from any of these set pieces, both defensively and that they were crap at taking free kicks in scoring positions, but it's incredibly dangerous to keep doing this and we can't afford to do it against teams with set piece experts. Um, Every team probably has at least one, but sooner or later it's going to come back to bite us. And with our set-piece record, we, the, the, the less ammunition we need to give people, like, the better, you know? Um, it's, it's something that's a serious worry for me, um, despite our great start to the season. Uh, AJ was very average last night. Um, 
it's encouraging to see him get a start, and I'm still incredibly high on the Iranian. Um, and he got 70 minutes too, so it's not like he only played a half. Um, it was so unfortunate that he didn't seem to be up to scratch yet. Uh, he gave away two fouls, which was more than anybody else. He got a yellow card. Um, he came into one of those challenges quite late and recklessly too. Um, from the angle on the TV when I watched it, when I was watching it live, um, his initial challenge because I was watching it from sort of him going in from behind, it was pretty. I, my heart stopped a little bit because I thought it was going to be a straight red. Luckily, after seeing the uh, the replay, it clearly wasn't. But it's just. He needs to be a little bit more careful. And given his stats and what we looked at in the first podcast ever, um, it's not his MO to be able to do those kind of challenges. So uh, maybe he just feels off the pace. And it, and it's not easy either. Um, just like Izquierdo, I mean, he can ask Jose how he got on because it was a big, tough ask for Izquierdo to adapt to. Um, but just like Izzy, I'm sure he will adapt and succeed. I have absolutely no doubt about it. I'm very positive on him. I know he's going to do well. Um, it's just we have to recognize, like, real recognize real. He wasn't very good. Um, the Solly March dilemma. Uh, he gave away three fouls. Um, actually, he gave away three fouls. That was more than anyone else. Um, so AJ only gave away two. My bad. I apologize. Jahan Baksh. Please don't hate me. Um, yeah, the Solly March dilemma. What do we do with him? He gave away three fouls. That was more than anybody else. He had three uncontrolled touches, which was more than anyone else. And seems to have a problem um, that he didn't have in the championship. Which is funny, because I feel like he sometimes has more time on the ball now than he did in the championship in some ways. But he has this problem when deciding what to do in goal-scoring situations. Um, there was a couple of times last night where there was three options available to him and consistently picked the second or third best option as opposed to the best one. Um, I think it is a concern and I think we do need to recognize it. But, I mean, Chris Hutton is clearly a fan. Um, he clearly highly values him. But where do we see him fitting in when everybody gets fit? Um, he's clearly not on par with his Chiedo at left midfield in the left wing. He's clearly not on par with Knockout on the right. Um, Jahan Baksh is around the same age as him and clearly has a lot more talent than he does raw talent at the moment. And Pascal Gross is by far the better number 10 than Solly March. Um, so, and I mean, we haven't even seen David Proper play the number 10 role. That's, that's a position that he plays with regularity for the Netherlands. So, I mean, who knows, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do with him. Um, unless when everybody does become fit, he just goes back to the bench and continues to develop himself. Um, who knows? We'll see. On to the phenomenal. Um, and this is something I wanted to recognize this week because it really is just crazy and a testament to what great work can do and careful work with your body over time. Bruno. Um, he's 38 this week, just gone. And he absolutely bossed it at right back. We had a serious issue with the idea of West Ham's wingers being dangerous, and Bruno kept Felipe Anderson pretty much in his back pocket for the most of the most of the game. Um, Montoya is genuinely one of the best right backs I've ever seen in a Brighton shirt, but Bruno is just so valuable to us. Um, he still somehow finds ways to get up and down the wing constantly with little to no stopping him, and. I loved him getting that snack from the ball boy with 10 minutes to go. Uh, if you didn't see it, a ball boy 
only a little little kid came running around half the length of the pitch just before a set piece to uh, throw Bruno some kind of nutrient bar or nutrient like squeezer thing and it was just it's just funny man he's he's just such a legend he's a huge asset to this club um, and this team when needed I obviously hope Montoya is okay but Bruno is just such an able replacement it's just incredible um, and speaking of depth like I said earlier, the depth we have at centre midfield this season is huge. Um, I mean, thinking about last season, if we would have lost Proper and Stevens like we may have done this season, we'd be screwed. We would have KL and an under-23 forced into the fold. Um, so, I mean, you've got to give a big hands up to the to the recruitment team on getting these boys in and doing their job well. <laughs> and uh, finally, the best till last, Glenn Murray. He really is ageless. Um, 35 yards, 35 years old, and on five goals in eight games already. Um, you just cannot leave him that open within six yards of goal. And it was funny watching all the West Ham defenders blame each other. Um, he's now one goal away from the big 100. When I do finally get around to my Murray Bridge segment, it will be when he hits his 100 as his Century Celebration podcast. It will be named the Century Celebration podcast, and he will be the focal point of my talk. Um, he had two key passes, only Knockout played more with three. He spent time all over the pitch, even put in a couple of crosses, which is funny because he should be crossing to himself. Um, and he just put in some incredible work, as usual. I'm also really, really wanting to see a game starting with Murray and Lockadier up front. Um, obviously, we haven't seen Andone on the pitch, so I, I don't want to include him until I've seen him and what he brings um, because I simply don't know other than the stats so I would love to see Murray and Lockadia start up front as a 4-4-2 um, I think swapping that number 10 out for that would be a recipe for success against poorer clubs at home um, your Cardiffs your Huddersfields for example um, I would love to see it at home it's a six pointer and it's a game we would understandably be looking to win so you know what I mean go for it don't do it away at Cardiff don't do it away at Huddersfield I'm not going to disrespect them that much but do it at home and see if we can do something special with it um, and just imagine if Glenn was 10 years younger <laughs> I mean for a start he'd be at a top 6 club but just imagine if he was 10 years younger and the amount of money we could get for him good lord he is just incredible um, so on to the, the bridge segment the middle segment and there's a couple of cool news stories number one is Paul Nevin uh, Paul Nevin is a coach with the Albion who has just been called up to the England setup for the first time um a little bit of background on him. Uh, Nevin began his coaching career at Fulham, and I am reading this, so again, apologies for reading verbatim. Um, he started his coaching career at Fulham. Uh, he spent eight years in several roles, including academy and reserve team manager, and he then accepted an invitation to improve the fortunes of the struggling New Zealand Knights, who competed in the Australian Hyundai A-League at the time. Uh, Nevin was appointed manager with the departure of former coach and at the completion at the completion of the 2005-2006 season. Um, after that, he then took up a position in the Aspire Academy in Qatar uh, in 2007. He was responsible for developing players for their junior and senior national teams, so maybe we'll be seeing some of his products in 2022, um, while also being involved in a lot of coaching development too. Um, he's enjoyed coaching opportunities in Africa, China, Brazil. Um, he was also a regular guest presenter on Al Jazeera's sports channel. Um, the guy has done a lot in his career, so we're lucky to have him. 
Um, following a successful five years in the Middle East, uh, Paul Nevin re returned to the Premier League. Um, he took a job, job as head of coaching at Norwich City FC. Um, the spell at the club also saw him promoted to the role of first team coach. In 2014, Nevin was approached by the Premier League to become head of academy coach development, a role that saw Nevin work with the Premier League and Category 1 clubs and support each of them with their coach development programs. Nevin has also worked with the FA as a coach with the youth national teams and has now been called up for the senior teams. Um, as a man who works with the Albion, that is an incredible achievement, um, not only for him, but also as a stepping stone for the, the black and ethnic minority groups um, that really need to be brought to the fore and given those opportunities in football coaching and football management. So a huge congratulations to Paul. And, you know, I'm really excited for him and I'm really excited for us because I think it just speaks volumes of the work we do each and every day um, on the pitches and on the coaching and training fields. Um, so, you know, hats off to him and let's hope he has a fun little journey with the England national team. Um, it's not like he hasn't done a lot already. So well played to him, um, fully deserved, and I'm really excited for him. News story number two uh, came out last night just before kickoff. Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy have uh, new five-year contracts each, keeping them both till 2023. Um, I think that's a great, great bit of movement. Um, both of them are young enough to be incredibly valuable to anybody who wants to sign them. Um, so nailing them down to a long-term contract adds zeros to the end of their transfer fee. Um, unbelievable work, again, by getting us on that agreement. This is Dunk's sixth contract in eight years. Um, we do an incredible job of keeping value on him, and he does an incredible job of agreeing to it, <laughs> because he doesn't have to, um, and he continues to sign these contracts knowing full well that if somebody came in with the right money, we would let him go, um, but he loves playing for the club as is, so... You know, hats off to the pair of them. They deserve the pay raise and the contract and whatever they've got as bonuses on it. Um, they are both unbelievably good central defenders, and I'm delighted that we're keeping them for another five years. Realistically, will we keep them for five years each? Probably not. Um, but, you know, they're helping the club out by signing those contracts as much as we're helping them. We're paying them more, but we're going to get paid more if anybody comes in for them. Um, so that was a pretty big piece of news and good for them, good for us, happy days. Um, news story number three, uh, Aaron Connolly, our under 23 sensation, um, he was nominated for the Premier League 2 award. Uh, the Irishman was also nominated in August too. Um, he lost out to uh, a different player, I believe his name was Danny Loder, um, but the 18 year old you know, he's been playing for the for the under-23s now regularly as a striker. Um, and he's once again caught the eye of the Premier League's uh, football development panel. Um, and I think it's just, again, like we're starting to see the fruits of the labor in which we pushed all of our assets in developing youth, training grounds, um, all of this facility work that we've put in to get these kinds of kinds of players breakthrough. So, you know, happy days. Um, let's hope he wins it this year, this month. Um, he's, he's scored a couple of key goals, and I think it was nine games unbeaten, 
maybe nine. I'm literally freestyling that. I think it was nine games unbeaten. Uh, our under 23s went in their in their big Premier League two campaign until they got beat this weekend or this week by Derby one nil. Um, but seriously, massive heads, like massive fair play to him. He's a great player. Um, maybe we'll see him sooner than later. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think that's. I think it's really cool for him. Um, so on to we're, we've got an international break for the next week and a half and i will see what i can rustle up next week i have some irons in the fire we'll see if any of them come to fruition um we'll just have to see but for now let's take a look at newcastle and the get and the uh, the kind of analysis and preview for them um not a lot's going to change between then and now in terms of our game plan and their game plan um our starting 11 will be will obviously change because that's going to be a different kind of story altogether, and we'll probably get some more news on that in a week or two's time. So I'm not going to do the predicted start in 11, because who knows. Um, but I will do the kind of our game plan, their game plan kind of thing. Um, so the way in which we need to set out, in my in my opinion, um, is we need to not allow Newcastle to have a ton of time on the ball. Um, United gave them more time than they deserved in that first 15 minutes, and they scored twice. Um that doesn't take away from the fact that United are in a horrible place right now um, and they ended up winning anyway but um, you know Newcastle are in a really bad way right now they've just been bashed again and beaten um, and they're on two points for the season we need to make sure we keep on top of them just like just like other teams have done whether it be at St. James's or at home we need to keep on top of them um, you know they've scored they they scored four goals prior to United, so they're on six so far for the season, which is you know they're, they're having trouble scoring goals. Clearly, um, they've also racked up eight yellow cards and a red prior to the United game. I'm not sure how many people got booked this week this weekend, um, but you know that's that's quite a lot. If you look at the other Premier League clubs, that they're, they're clearly they're struggling with discipline, they're struggling with goals, and they're struggling with clean sheets. Um, they're averaging about 39% possession in their games, something similar to us in all fairness, so it's going to be interesting to see where that falls. Um, and only 66% pass accuracy within the squad. Um, it really just goes to show that, you know, possession, pass accuracy, goals, it all comes together to show that they're really struggling. Um, and their weakness is undoubtedly their front line. Um, if we can isolate their striker of choice, whoever it is this time, um, just like the other teams they've played, and focus ourselves on attacking them at a high tempo, we'll beat them. Um, they collapsed under United's attack this afternoon. They collapsed They collapsed under pretty much anybody giving some kind of sustained attack. We need to make sure we do the same. Um, I think playing with any kind of defensive wingers, for example, March or a flat black... black uh, uh, get my words out... Playing with any kind of defensive winger like Solly March or a flat three with Basuma, Kayao and whoever is fit isn't going to work this time. Um, we need to treat this like a home game, frankly. Um, the, the, the atmosphere and the, and the people watching aren't going to make you feel that way, but we need to play like it is um, because we've got enough to beat them. Uh, let's see who's fit. Go from there with the actual 11. Uh, something we'll go through next week, but let's do it. I think we can beat them, attack them, score goals. Um, they allowed they allowed an average of 15 shots per game prior to this weekend, and it's probably only gone up. So this is clearly a state of mind they're in, and they're struggling. So let's buckle down, attack them, and go for them. 
Um, and I think for them and their game plan, they're probably going to try and implement some kind of counter-attacking mentality into their, their game plan because that was when they were so dangerous against United this weekend. Uh, I would be really careful of that Muto. Uh, he looks a real talented little player. Um, I think it's I think he is the man we need to identify and take out of the game. Um, just like Seri uh, when we played Fulham, and just like Pogba and Shaw when we played United, um, and just like the front three when we played West Ham this weekend, I think Muto is definitely the man we need to keep an eye on. And obviously John Joe Shelby if he plays, because we have a knack of letting him score and just run rings around us when he does play us. Um, so they're the, they're the people we need to keep an eye on is worrying. Um, I mean, who knows? Rafa might not even be there by next by the next game. I mean, Newcastle are on fire um, and not in a good way. They are burning out inside. Um, Mike Ashley is leaving them to die. They're not getting any investment. I'm shocked that Benitez is still there, frankly. Um, he's a better man than most. I, I really can't believe he's still there. For a manager of his caliber, um, it shocks me that he's continuing to put time in. And nobody will blame him if he left. Um, who knows, maybe both United and Newcastle will be without a manager by the time our next game rolls around. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think it will happen. I think Mourinho's safe for another, another couple of weeks after coming back to win at Old Trafford, I think he'll be fine. But Newcastle are in a bad way. We have a way of we have a massive opportunity to keep on top of them, and not only by getting any kind of point from them at St James's, like do we do we help ourselves? But it hurts them, and they are a relegation candidate with us. So, you know, it's it's going to be a big game, crunch time. Um, we've had a great start to the season, eight points from eight one point per game we're continuing to press on as we needed to um and let's just hope we can keep it up uh we've got rid of our first eight you know we've played four of the top six we've had a lot of tough games um we got a win when we needed to at home we got a lot of results that we needed to get i think we should be really i think we should go out there and be positive um we're never really positive away from home so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. In fact, I think the last time we were positive away from home was Old Trafford away. And that's kind of, while it's admirable to come in and be positive at Old Trafford, we could probably do with being positive at slightly crapper teams. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I think that's about it, really. Um, next week, we'll see what we've got for you. Um, I have plans, like I said, but we'll see what happens. Um, still a week to go yet. So... I will keep you in the loop as to what may or may not be coming. Um, Glenn Murray is one goal away from 100. Uh, f please feel free to tweet him and ask him to do his hand-on-head celebration as his 100th goal. I would be delighted, as would everybody else. If he does it, it would be incredible. Um, and, you know, follow me at TogetherBHA on Twitter. Um, if you have any feedback or any thoughts on what you'd like to see on the pod going forward, let me know. Um, and yeah, be safe and have a great rest of your weekend and an enjoyable international break. See you later.